Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur and you're driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Entrepreneur. You can check us out at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any questions, any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you, and any thoughts about or questions on being a faith-driven entrepreneur. My challenge would be that entrepreneurs would see entrepreneurship, that particular call, as a type of pilgrimage, that it itself is a spiritual discipline where God wants to be in that discipline with you. And just the way that God is with the Israelites in their journey from Egypt to the promised land, that it's not like they were doing spiritual disciplines. I mean, you could make the argument they were doing some kind of spiritual discipline along the way, but the main discipline was the journey. The discipline was going through the desert, coming in contact with challenges. That is the discipline. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We are always so excited to be here with everyone, all of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited today, or I know I'm excited, and I think Rusty and Henry are too, to have Julie Barrios on the show. Uh, to give you a quick background of Julie, Julie was the director of spiritual formation at my church for a long time. And as I like to describe her, she's one of those people that you spend an hour with and you just... You learn things about yourself you didn't know, and you learn things about Jesus that you didn't know. And some of the nuggets Julie has passed along to me in my life, not to set ridiculous expectations, have things that I write down, things that I carry around with me. So she's just been an important person in my life, and I'm so glad that our entrepreneurs get to hear from her. And with that, we're going to dive in today, do a brief overview of Julie's entrepreneurial journey. She recently went off and started her own company, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. And the big part of that is she coaches entrepreneurs on spiritual formation. So we're going to get to hear how entrepreneurs see the work of Christ in unique ways and how Julie helps them come to newfound realizations on running a company and being in partnership and employing people and everything that we talk about here on the podcast in unique ways. So stay tuned for that. And we're really excited to get going. To get going, Julie, maybe if you could just give us a little bit about your own journey. Uh, you left reality, I think, a little over a year ago uh, to go off on this journey. How did you think through that and what is Nuos? Yeah, well, while working at reality, one of my roles there was, I, and this is a part of how you and I connected, William, is that I played a significant role in our, our faith and work group that we were starting. And while I was supporting that ministry, I realized that some of my best work was actually being done at that convergence where I could see how God was using people's work to form their hearts and draw them closer to him in a way that was really intriguing to me. I started to see people's work journeys as a type of pilgrimage and especially entrepreneurship. Like entrepreneurship, I could see how it was almost a spiritual discipline in itself, that if they could stay present to God in the midst of this really windy road of entrepreneurship and allow the Holy Spirit to bring to the surface different parts of their hearts that maybe weren't ordered toward Christ, that the Lord would really meet people there and would draw them into understanding, just like what you said, William, earlier, something new about themselves and there's something new about the character of God that the Lord wanted them to know in a deep and experiential way. And so 
yeah, I eventually realized that that was really where my passion was. And I wanted to work with more people who were pouring themselves into businesses that they were building and decided about a year ago to take that plunge myself. So I have to ask the question. Now you're an entrepreneur. Yes. You, so you work with everybody else. What are you learning about that experience as you start your own business? Well, a few things. Um, one thing is that I'm a spiritual director first. Well, I'm a child of God first. And then second, I was trained as a spiritual director, which means I was really trained in understanding the interior map of a person, like what's going on in their heart that gives us discernment as to what God is inviting them into, very practically speaking, in their lives in the next step. And so I would say my entrepreneurial journey is not a hustle and make it happen kind of a thing. It's much more of, and, and this has been my heart from the beginning, and it feels very vulnerable. It feels like a, Lord, here I am, help me to be faithful to steward this particular thing that I have to offer to offer it well, to offer it to the people that you're bringing into my path, um, to pursue those who are ready for it and to surrender, like if it's just not the right thing for somebody at that time. And so that's one of the things I noticed a lot with entrepreneurs is the temptation to get on sort of this hamster wheel of making it happen and not discern quite quickly enough how much of their energy was being spent pursuing something that might actually not be the right route. And I heard that over and over with the entrepreneurs I was meeting with while still working at the church. But then in my own life was like, oh my gosh, that's in spiritual formation world called Ignatian discernment, like understanding those interior movements, like where's the energy going and what kind of fruit is it creating? And so in my own entrepreneurial journey, I find myself really in many ways living very similarly to the way I lived before, which is trying to stay present and receptive to God's invitations moment by moment and trying to stay really clear in my own heart and connected to the Lord so that what I have to give people that I'm working with is really good. I could see that the best way to sabotage my work, and it would be so obvious, would be for me to get on the hamster wheel of trying to make something happen. And that would cause me to lose my grounding very quickly. And then what would I have to offer others? So I think for me and with my product, so to speak, it has a very clear consequence. Like if I were to lose my grounding in Christ, then I basically lose everything. And I think that that's obvious in my business, but probably not as obvious in most businesses. Mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. You mentioned being present and receptive and staying off the hamster wheel. So if I were to characterize any aspect of my entrepreneurial journey, I would say it's 99.9% .9 hamster wheel, 0.1% present receptive. How do you have that mix? Ah, uh, The right mix, I should say. The right mix. Well, I think one thing I'm guessing, Henry, is that like when you say the hamster wheel, it's like the, the energy that's outward. It's like I'm going towards something. I have a goal. I have something in mind that I'm moving toward. And I think I still have moments where, not just moments, but definitely time where I feel like God's calling me to persevere. I need to pursue this. I think I also feel pretty clearly that unless I have significant amounts of silence and solitude, I'm not good at recognizing when it's time to persevere and when I've crossed that edge into striving. And so that's one of those weird things in scripture where we see that perseverance is a fruit of the spirit, but we're also called to see striving and know that I'm God. 
right? And so, wait, aren't those things so similar to each other? And so I'd say a lot of my time, just spiritual discipline wise is, it sounds kind of boring, but it's living slowly. It's staying present to, I guess the best name for it that people would know would be practicing the presence of God, like the brother Lawrence sort of staying present to God while I'm making my breakfast, staying present to God while I'm taking my dog on a walk. And, you know, I think of the psalm, like, teach me, O Lord, to number my days that I may become wise. So I think staying present to the importance of the moments that we have and appreciating them. So involved in that, I mean, there's gratitude, there's living with a posture of hope. I think keeping the truth of God, so whether that's through scripture reading or for me, honestly, it's scripture listening. I'm a much more receptive auditory learner than a reader. Mm. I think the Abide app is really helpful. Also, there's a podcast that's called Praise You Go. It's just like a 12-minute guided prayer time. I think those are both really helpful for just redirecting our hearts toward God. But, you know, honestly, this is kind of interesting. Like I would say... When you look at developmental spirituality, that the earlier stages are more about discipline for the sake of sort of internalizing the structure of God's word and God's story into your heart. And then later it becomes now interpreting your world and your reality within that structure. And that becomes the discipline. And so I'm not saying by any means that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm more mature than reading scripture or anything like that. It's not that at all. But it is that it's staying present to what the truth of scripture as I'm training this puppy. And gosh, I've learned so much about forgiveness from this little dog. (laughs) So give me an example of that. And I think you're on a a number of really important things there. And I just want to quickly go through if people have been tracking along. You talked about Brother Lawrence. That's Mm -hmm. something worth Googling. Brother Lawrence has that pamphlet, right? And what's it called again? Practicing the presence of God. Practicing Presence of God is beautiful. I've got the pamphlet that's in the back of my travel bag, and it's just great, mm. great read, maybe 20, 25 pages. You also talked about the Abide app, and you talked about Pray As You Go. When you talk about this concept of striving and being conscious of striving, we talk about this concept of being willful versus faithful a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that – and for you, you're saying be conscious of the difference between persevering and yes. striving. Right. Yes. Give us a real world example of what that looks like when you found yourself actually striving and Mm -hmm. you're just about to talk about training your dog. Maybe that's not the right story. But what's a time when you caught yourself like, oh, my goodness, here I go. I sit down and I talk to all these entrepreneurs about being careful not to strive. And here I go. What does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, probably close to a year ago when the company was just getting started. I mean, I was doing a lot of proposal writing and a lot of meeting with people. And of course, I wanted them to utilize what I do for individuals, leaders and for companies. And so, you know, I would go and meet with somebody, they would seem interested, they would ask me to shift the proposal just a bit, I would go and do a rewrite, but I would get this feeling. And it's just like an intuitive feeling that they didn't actually really want what I was offering. And there was a part of me that probably pretty quickly kicked in that was like, oh, I'm going to prove it. Like, I'm going to sell it, basically. I'm going to convince them that they want this. Now, this is another one of those things that with like my product in particular, it's actually not good for me to give this away to people who don't want it or to convince them that they Mm -hmm. do. 
it's actually not helpful for them or for me to try to sell it to them. And so there were times when I had meeting after meeting with companies where, you know, maybe a certain level of the leadership was really on board, but then higher levels of leadership were maybe kind of disconnected from what it was that the other levels of leadership were doing. And I realized that I was on the hamster wheel as long as I continued to pursue that particular contract because the leadership needed to have an intuitive sense of what I was offering and it being valuable. And learning to let that go and not continue to do rewrite after rewrite or meeting after meeting and recognizing when I was working too many angles to the point where I was like, now you could frame this as being a go-getter, like working all the different angles to make it happen. Or there's just something in my soul that I felt like wasn't totally trusting the Lord. And maybe, I mean, this is probably too strong a word, but I would say like maybe on the edge of manipulation, you know, not like lying by any means, but almost like a, like if I could just sneak in the door or something, then I'd be able to offer this thing, but recognizing so quickly that, goodness, what a recipe for a lose-lose situation. Like if I can tell that they don't really want the things that I'm offering and I'm trying to give it to them, and let's just say I did sneak in the door and they agreed to my proposal, there would be a really good chance they wouldn't actually be very content with the work that I offered them. And then either I'm doing the whole thing again, trying to fit it into a package that makes it feel like it works for them, or I'm just kind of surrendering to not actually having served them well. And that's the thing. It's like if I really want to serve people well, if that's the point, if the point really is love, if that's really the point of really what all of our products should be about, like we should be able to see how this product loves others, whether it's making their life better in this way or this way or this way. And I can tell that I would not be able to love them well, then I just kind of back off. I'm just on the hamster wheel. It's a great it's a great lesson, Julie. I mean, for our listeners who are out there chasing the deal today, mm-hmm. right? Who are trying to sell the better mousetrap to someone who doesn't want to catch mice. Yes. <laughs> but yet they feel like I can convince them. I can do that. In many ways, we do that other person, that customer, the potential customer, a disservice. Yes. The best thing we can do is actually look at them and say, you know, you're probably just not ready or Mm -hmm. not willing or not wanting. And let's just be honest about it. And then we'll move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, while you're in one side of the industry, what you're also saying is extraordinarily applicable, Mm -hmm. I think, to anybody who's out there trying to sell or close a deal. It's fantastic. Absolutely. It reminds me of something you first taught me, Julie, we've talked about on the podcast a lot. I'm sure you wouldn't take credit for owning it, but you're the first one that taught it to me was that God is a God of abundance and not scarcity. And you first challenged me to think of my life that way and to think of everything that I do and in that lens. And so from that lens, that doesn't mean sit on the couch and do nothing, but it means if you feel that gut intuition, then go a different direction and understand that God wants success for that product or those teams, that he'll be in that eventually in some way that you probably can't even see right now. Yes, absolutely. So Julie, I'm curious, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm curious about the product and the service that you're selling. Right. You're talking about you're selling a spiritual formation service to entrepreneurs, right? Sure. Uh-huh. So what's the foundation of that? I think the entrepreneurs are used to selling 
and they're used to being sold. That's mm-hmm. a product or service that most of us have never heard a pitch on. Mm-hmm. Give us a whirl. All right. Yeah. Well, one thing I realized was as I was reading, I mean, I, of course, I started off reading spiritual formation books. I went to seminary, have a master's degree in spiritual formation and soul care, was trained as a spiritual director. And then I came across, and this was probably my first time reading a business book. It was Pat Lencioni's The Advantage. And when I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, this is a repurposing of Dallas Willard. And I could see that he had what I tend to call a be do have orientation. Now, he doesn't use these words, but we hear it in scripture. So like where we hear it in scripture is seek first the kingdom of God. So it's like a way of being, a way of orientation. And then everything else will be added unto you, right? So like if you orient your way of being in this way, then you get everything else. And Pat Lencioni had kind of a similar thing in the advantage. Of course, he didn't frame it this way, but that if you could order your business around really clear values of like, this is who we really are. This is who we are. We don't chase things down. We have a really clear defined soul as to who we are. Then it created all of this space for discernment around how to hire, how to conduct business, how to run meetings, how to form a team, the kinds of products that you wanted to offer. And so I thought, oh gosh, there's the be do, the be do. So the way of being, you start there. And this is very Dallas Willard. I mean, he doesn't actually use these words either, but it's oriented to the fruit of the spirit, a way of being. So let's just say like in spiritual discipline, I want to become patient. So patience is a way of being. And then what's the do? Well, the do is the practices that would support the way of being. So if I want to grow in patience, then I might actually take on the practice of getting in the longest line at the grocery store. That actually supports my practice of patience. But with businesses, there's something very similar. So let's just say you have a product, and this is a company that I worked with, Kuju Coffee. I want to say... I feel like I've seen them on LinkedIn recently associated with you guys, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But Kuju Coffee, they knew that their product had to do with creating moments of experience of rest and rejuvenation. That's a way of being. And so they designed a product to support a way of being. And when I was working with them, helped them to further clarify really what it was, like what the good they wanted to create in the world was. And so they further clarified, if your product or your company is just about killing it or winning or something, then you might be orienting yourself toward a bit of sociopathy. But if you actually can name the kind of love that you want to create in the world through your product, then not only does that more clearly define your product strategy, it helps you with your hiring strategy. It supports the way that you relate to each other as a business. You attract the right kind of talent. And it also gave these founding partners a way to interact with each other because they really wanted to embody what it was that their product was about. And so here you have this situation where this company now, I think this company is amazing and their product is great. And I was so proud of them because actually I think what they created is not just a good company and a good product, but potentially a way of inviting people into really deep and rich kingdom gospel values that they're being formed into. And it didn't have to do with putting a scripture verse on anything. It doesn't look overtly Christian. However, 
it was uh, an opportunity to invite people into living into the fruit of the spirit and to model that to their team. And so as a spiritual formation person, I'm seeing this opportunity for entrepreneurship and business building to be a deeply formative transformational experience, not just for the entrepreneur, but for the people who work for the company as well. That's helpful. And we do know Jeff. Jeff's a great guy. And I love the fact that that early on in his company's formation, he sought that out. Uh, Mm -hmm. So many companies will do something like that three, four, five, six years in to really say, Mm -hmm. gosh, is there a redemptive purpose to my business? How do I figure it out? And how do I kind of verbalize it? It's very rare for somebody to figure that out that early on. That was great. Give us another example. Mm. Um, another company that I worked with, you know, some of them, I know Kuju, they like publicly endorse me on LinkedIn, but I want to keep others confidential because sometimes my work does kind That's of straddle public and the confidential, but I've worked with a financial services consulting company that does a lot of really international consulting with banking and economics and even in the developing world. And there's been such a desire among their their founder and CEO to really embody the values of the gospel is not just the way she conducts her business, but the way that she goes about in many ways like brokering these very influential deals between banks. And I remember early on clarifying with her where her heart and her personal values were being exhaled through her company. And we really clarified that trust was so huge that what she wanted to create in her own life and in the world was the experience of trustworthiness. And gosh, as you can imagine, in like financial services, financial institutions and global economics, wouldn't that be helpful to have a more trusting world and a more trustworthy world? And I just thought that was really beautiful. But then that that's something that we continually return to in the way we talk about her venture. And it shows up in the way that she leads her team in the way she hires. And it's continually transformational to her personally in understanding where is God inviting her to be more trusting or to be more trustworthy. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch that experience. What a beautiful word that you described, how she instills her values into the company. Use the word, she exhales them. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, it just struck me. I had to write it down because in order to exhale, you have to inhale. That's right. So you started this with spiritual disciplines and things that you do for each one of us. You know, we have to inhale in order to be able to exhale. And when we exhale those values and principles, they're authentic. They're real because they've been inside of us first. Beautiful. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that especially with Christian entrepreneurs, when I am able to really sit with who they are as people and allowing that heartbeat and that vision and that desire for the world to really come out and identifying maybe some of the false calls that can be connected to entrepreneurship, like the false call of success or the false call of money, when we can peel away some of those layers And then find out, like, what's underneath that? What is the longing of the heart in that individual that it never fails, that it's always somehow connected to what they're creating? They may have never named it, but I help them name it. And I help them intentionally exhale it and intentionally 
see where God has breathed that into them. Um, sometimes really looking at their life story and understanding more of their history. Other times it's really obvious that it's just a real passion and it's the heartbeat that they're very conscious of. But sometimes a few layers have to be peeled off to, to really understand where that heartbeat's coming from. One thing that uh, a lot of times we'll do here, Julie, is just say, is there one thing that you'd like an entrepreneur to hear or something, a question that we should have asked but didn't? Mm. Yeah. As a takeaway, like if there's just one thing that people would take away from how God has worked through Julie mm-hmm. in her career as an entrepreneur, it's the following three things or two things. I shouldn't even be prescriptive with the number, but sure. anything we missed or could have asked. You know, the big thing that I see is a shift that I long to see happen with entrepreneurs is for them to shift from seeing spiritual disciplines in one bucket and entrepreneurship in another bucket. And my challenge would be that entrepreneurs would see entrepreneurship, that particular call, as a type of pilgrimage, that it itself is a spiritual discipline where God wants to be in that discipline with you. And just the way that God is with the Israelites in their journey from Egypt to the promised land, that it's not like they were doing spiritual disciplines. I mean, you could make the argument they were doing some kind of spiritual discipline along the way, but the main discipline was the journey. The discipline was going through the desert, coming in contact with challenges. That is the discipline. And so But, you know, there's it. I'm going to interject for just a second there because I'm going through a Bible study right now. We're looking at that. And we just went from Numbers into Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy 1 talks about the fact that it only takes 11 days to walk from Sinai to the Promised Land. Only 11 days. But it took them 40 years. And my open prayer for my entrepreneurial journey and everybody's entrepreneurial journey, and I think that this is why you hung up a shingle. And so that it doesn't take people 40 years because left our own devices, we're hamster wheeling it, right? I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yes. Goodness. I mean, that's a perfect example that our temptation is to live as slaves. And it can take a long time to surrender that identity. And God is incredibly patient and he will walk through the desert with us to call us out of slavery, to get us free from slavery. And I think that that can be the entrepreneurial journey for a lot of people. And having a spiritual director that is with you, helping you understand how God is speaking to you through that entrepreneurial journey can definitely help shave some years off of your time in the desert, if that's a possibility for you. So yeah, I see a lot of people spinning their wheels. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. Please go to faithdrivenentrepreneur.org and let us know if you have any questions, any of those tough ones that you'd like us to tackle. If you have any videos, articles, sermons, or podcasts that have been helpful to you on your journey, we'd love to see them too. Just send them our way. Lastly, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you in any way, we'd appreciate you commenting, sharing it with others, and subscribing. This podcast would not be possible without help from many of our friends. Music by Carl Cadwell. You can see more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And editing by Johnny Shearer.